Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a National Parks podcast. In 2015, we quit our jobs to visit all of the U.S. National Parks in one year, and ever since, we have been obsessed with all things National Park Service. This is week 11 of a 62-week tour of virtually revisiting a new national park each week through a podcast episode and in-depth guide on switchbackkids.com. We hope you learn something new and get inspired because the national parks are for everyone. Today we're heading back to 1916 to a park with explosive features, Lassen Volcanic National Park. Cole. Elizabeth. Did you know that... Two separate parks were actually originally created in the Lassen National Park area. Cindercone National Monument was separate from Lassen Peak National Monument. Uh, both were designated in, ni- in 1907, and then they were combined in 1916 to form Lassen Volcanic National Park. Wow. I did not know that. That's really interesting, especially because they're so close. They are so close. It seems like it kind of seems like it could have been one national monument but well they got there eventually that's the important thing yeah so today we're going to be talking about Lassen Volcanic and this one's exciting because we it's one of the most recent national parks we've actually been to yeah yeah the second most recent in uh you know about two months ago now but um you know let's start off with an overview before we get into our experience so in the overview it's most known for It's volcanic activity, which you might have guessed because it says so in the name, meaning steaming fumaroles, mud pots, active and inactive volcanoes, lava beds, hot springs, all that good stuff. And actually, all four types of volcanoes are present in this park. There are four types in the world that are all here, plug dome, shield, cinder cone, and composite. It's very rare to have all four at one place. Yeah, and beyond that, the area is just has a beautiful like mountain environment um, with with beautiful crystal clear lakes and relaxing hikes near creeks and waterfalls and and scenic drives and meadows full of wildflowers. So it's just got a really cool, you know, to to put that environment up against some of the the like rugged volcanic activity. It, it makes for a really cool experience. For sure. Uh, And brief history-wise, the Native Americans have lived in the area and referred to it, um, its volcanic activity, you know, for centuries. Uh, And then European immigrants came in and used Lassen Peak as a landmark as they trekked to the Sacramento Valley. Um, And one of the, uh, one guide for those immigrants was named Peter Lassen, thus the name. And uh, in the park, still, it marks, if you're going along the main road, you can pull off. And one of the pull-offs is the, um, you know, the trail that they used to cut through the park on their way, you know, the settler's way to California. Yeah, and like we mentioned, um, in the early 1900s, Lassen Peak was first protected, first called Lassen Peak Forest Preserve, um, and then became the, those national monuments in, by Teddy Roosevelt's in 1907. Um, from 1914 to 1921, there were a series of 
both minor eruptions and some bigger major eruptions on Lassen Peak, uh, causing that crater that you see now. And that really sparked interest in protecting the area, which was eventually designated as a national park on August 9th, 1916, just about, what, two weeks before the National Park Service was actually officially created. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, I guess a lot was going on back then. Yeah, um, we've, got a, we've got a lot of parks that we've covered in August of 1916 mm-hmm. that were established. It was a busy, busy month. And then in 1972, a portion of the park was designated Lassen Volcanic Wilderness, so kept on building. And then after the eruption of Mount St. Helens, the USGS began looking more closely at other volcanic activity in the area, and they included surveys of Lassen in that. Uh, So it's still studied to this day as an area of... uh, you know, high volcanic activity and possible eruption. Yeah, and being in California, its position in California, um, it receives quite a few visitors too. And in in 2019, had about 517,000 visitors. So good amount of people see the park. Definitely not one of the most popular, but um, kind of in the middle. Right, I I would would even, and I would say for California, it's probably the least popular. Well, yeah. So uh, maybe if you're around there, it's a hidden gem. Um, So that's the overview. Now, how to visit the park. Elizabeth, when should we visit? So it's a mountain park, and it receives a lot of snow. So we've talked about this a lot with other parks, but um, the summer season is quite short. So usually July through September, you can have a good access although high crowds. Um, Fall has fewer services. Some of the park services start shutting down, but you also have pretty good access to most of the trails and roads. Um, In the winter and spring, there's quite a few winter activities, snow activities that you can do, snowshoeing and snowmobiling and things like that. Oh, you can do snowmobiling. You found that. I'm not trying to catch you. I was just <laughs> asking. No, because when we went there in the winter, well, April, we did, uh, I mean, we'll get into it, but we did snowshoeing. We saw people doing cross-country skiing. And, um, you know, like Elizabeth said, it's a lot more limited. But if you're equipped, you can get pretty far into the backcountry. Um, so definitely doesn't shut the whole park down. Now, getting around and how to get there, uh, the park is located in Northern California. It's a three-hour drive from Sacramento, and therefore the closest airports are, of course, Sacramento, also Reno, Nevada, and Redding, California, if you can go into smaller airports. But the park doesn't have any public transportation to... um, to it or within it, so you might have to get a rental car um, because also the park layout is, um, you know, I would say you pretty much need a car to get around it because they don't have their public transportation. There are two main entrances. There's the Manzanita Lake entrance 
and Visitor Center, which is up in the northwest portion, and then the uh, Komyamani, Komyamani Visitor Center, which is in the, the southwest. Uh, so most of the visitors of the park really stay around that western portion because there's a road that connects those two. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of other entrances that are in the southwest, in the in, sorry, in the southeast, in the northeast. So you can kind of uh, dip into the park in these lesser known areas and access a whole different, less popular area. So that's great for hiking, boating, uh, other off-the-beaten-path hydrothermal areas. So lots of entrances. I think, you know, there, there's uh, almost uh, about five or a half Yeah, dozen. so specifically Butte Lake to the north mm-hmm. is one that we experienced. Juniper Lake to the, lake to the, to the south, to the south, to the south are those other side yeah. entrances Thank that you, you. There we that go. you have. Um, yeah, so... Also nearby the park are lots of opportunities for recreation, for more hiking. There's Whiskey Town National Recreation Area. There's Lava Beds National Monument, Bernie Falls State Park, which we were highly recommended and loved checking out Bernie Falls for just a really unique waterfall. And uh, of course, Redwood uh, National Park and State Park which is about four hours west, and Yosemite National Park, five hours south. So you're around a lot of good stuff. Uh, Great opportunity for a road trip. Yeah, you will not run out of things to do in the area. But if you want to stay in the park for multiple days, where should you sleep? That is a good question. I've been talking too much, so... I'll I'll cover this one. So there is one lodge in the park. It's called Drake's Bad Guest Ranch. And it's got a lodge and it's got cabins and a bungalow. And that is in, I believe, the Warner Valley or the Juniper Lake area. Do you want to double check that? Yeah, I'll look for you. It's in one of those side entrances. It's not in the main drag where Drake's Bad Guest Ranch is. But throughout the park, there are also eight campgrounds with campsites. Um, Manzanita Lake also has, they, they have a campground there and they have rustic camper cabins. So if you don't want to camp, um, six of those campgrounds are both reservable and first come first serve and two are only first come first serve. So definitely do a little research. Um, there's also backcountry camping available, which requires a permit free as permit. always a free permit, but plan ahead. Yeah, and Drake's Bed is in the Warner Valley area, which uh, explains why I hadn't heard of it. So yeah. good, good catch. Yeah, I was when I when I saw that I, I thought we would have seen it, but we didn't go to the Warner Valley area, so that's why. Mm-hmm. But uh, we did actually cover a bunch of the park over our two trips, so let's get into our trip and share a bit of our experience. Yeah, so we had two very different experiences at the park. We first visited in April 2016, um, and then just again in August of this year, 2020. Yeah, because uh, we were on a road trip back from Oakland, California. We went to go get our camper van, so that was a great excuse to hit some parks that we had either not 
seen fully, like Lassen, and some new ones as well. Um, road yeah, our first back experience definitely left us uh, with some unfinished business, I think. So in April of 2016, when we visited the park, very inaccessible due to snow. So we, much snow. We camped overnight at the Komiomani Visitor Center. They were they were allowing people to camp like in the parking lot um, because the road was entirely closed. We did do a snowshoe tour with the rangers, as well as walked out on the road through the snow, <laughs> postholing, postholing all the way. to the Sulphur Works hydrothermal area. Yeah. And then the- we drove around outside of the park over to the Man- Manzanita Lake area, which was a little more accessible, but still not much. We were able to walk all the way around the lake and do a little, have a little picnic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we knew we had to go back at some point, so I'm really glad we did in 2020 here. Um, and in August, it was all accessible. It was pretty crowded in areas, even though it was during the pandemic. Um, it was a weekend. It was yeah, a weekend right. in, you know, one of the last summer weekends, so... But we did a lot of stuff. We uh, probably the highlight was hiking to Bumpus Hell early in the morning, and uh, Elizabeth, props to her, did that in a boot because she <laughs> had broken her foot a few weeks prior. Uh, so she was getting some major kudos on the trail and uh, cred with me like she needs any more. Um, but drove the park road as well. Um, went, I climbed Lassen Peak and uh, did the Junior Ranger program with Clark. So that was a fun. We did that again. Uh, we've done that in every park we've been to with him. Uh, and then we camped two nights in La- Manzanita Lake Campground. Just one. Sorry, we camped one night outside in Lassen National, National Forest, Forest mm-hmm. in in free dispersed camping, and then we camped one in Manzanita Lake. Um, and then our last day, we were on our way out going west, and we snuck into the Butte Lake area and hiked to Cindercone, which was really cool. Actually, I did not expect it to, uh, I did not expect much out of it, but we climbed to the top of this um, you know, really, uh, it's, it's not like a mountain at all. It's just a literal cinder cone made out of tons of volcanic rubble. Um, so that was really cool hiking to the top of that, going down in the crater, uh, walking past the fantastic lava beds to get there, um, really gave me a different view of the park than what we had seen on the west side. Yeah, for sure. I feel like that day, the two days we spent in the park was full of some of those must-sees. So let's get into that now. So getting into activities at Lassen Volcanic, the must-sees that we would consider every visitor should, should see when they're there. The first would be some of that hydrothermal activity within the park. So that can be seen at Bump is Hell, Sulphur Works, which is much more accessible. Bump is Hell is about a three-mile round-trip hike to get there. Well worth it. Not a, not a, not too strenuous of a hike. Sulphur Works, right off the road. Yep. Little Hot Spring Valley, Devil's Kitchen, Boiling Springs Lake. All of those are some of those areas where you can see 
Some of them are less developed, like Bumpus Hell has the boardwalks and it's very well trafficked, but some of the other areas like Devil's Kitchen is that that trail, you might see mud pots right off the trail. So watch your step. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then there's also plenty of peaks to climb. So that's another must-see is getting, you know, some of these mountain views. Lassen Peak, of course, is the big one, and it's also really popular, was when I was there. It's not too difficult, um, and you can climb it up and down in a couple hours. There's also Cindercone, which we referenced, which is another, um, I would say, it's another well-known one, but it's not really popular. That had you know, a, a fraction of the people. Um, and then Brokoff Mountain is another one you can climb. Yeah, I would also consider one of the must-sees to be one of the, the park's lakes. So they've got huge, these, these giant lakes. The Manzanita Lake is big. Summit Lake is really big. A good camping and picnicking spot. Um, and Reflection Lake was a really, really nice hike that we um, enjoyed on our evening in the park. And it just had the, the most beautiful reflection of Lassen Peak. Yeah, they really nailed the name on that one. <laughs> um, because especially in the evening, the sun you know, is in the right spot to just bounce right off the lake and, and hit the, the um, peak and gives you some really nice uh, framing of the the trees around the lake and the peak. Um, gorgeous. Yeah, and we'd also recommend learning a little bit about the park. So there's two visitor centers, like we mentioned earlier. Um, plenty of ranger programs, other special programs throughout the year. There's an astronomy or a dark sky program, a dark sky festival, I guess. Um, junior ranger programs, things like that. There's also a really cool little short self-guided interpretive trail called the Devastation Trail, which has some audio clips, like um, exhibits and boards you can read and learn a little bit more about the most recent eruption. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dark Sky Festival, of course, is usually in August. So if you're able to time it for an event like that, always take advantage. That is a must-see. And then, of course, you have the scenic drive, and that's good even if you aren't able to get out much from your car, uh, worth the drive because the evidence of volcanic activity is really close to the road. Yeah, and you guys submitted some of your favorite activities at the park, which kind of reiterate some of the things we've been talking about, but somebody said hiking Lassen Peak under a full moon, which sounds really magical. Uh, Butte Lake, Bumpus Hell, and someone said snowshoeing on July 4th, which, yes, there is often still snow in wow, into geez. July into the park. Man, um, yeah, I it was definitely, yeah, I don't know. That's That just kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess we're going on to secrets now. Um, so that, those were your favorites and the must-sees. And now some secrets of the park that we've run into through our research and uh, actually some uh, local experts. First of all, free snowshoe tours in the winter and spring. 
Uh, it's a great backstage pass to the park with the Rangers. We mentioned, you know, this was one of our favorites. So if you're there in the winter, hit this one up. Um, also, there is a opportunity in the spring for bikers to bike without cars on the highway for the first you know little bit when the highway opens up um, there's hike and bike the highway and it's closed to cars and you can go um, and have it you know all to yourself and your fellow biker friends yeah without worrying about all those cars driving past you Um, Like we also mentioned, every year there's an annual Dark Sky Festival, which the park is is quite remote, very, very beautiful sky. It's currently working through its Dark Sky designation, its official Dark Sky, as an official Dark Sky park, Um, but that sounded really, really cool. And we were able to attend one of the, the Dark Sky Festival in Great Basin, so we can attest to how amazing it was to experience that. There's also a hike called Devil's Kitchen in the Warner Valley area, and we've heard this is kind of similar to Bumpus Hell, but without the crowds and without many of the boardwalks. So it's a 4.4 miles round trip, a little bit longer than Bumpus Hell, but much more remote and and sure to be much fewer crowds. Yeah, and then the final secret we have for you is one that I uh, got from a local uh, who is goes to the park all the time, ran into him on the cinder cone hike, and he said, um, you know, I hope he doesn't get mad at, well, I actually got permission from him to share this <laughs> secret because it's so good. Um, he said his favorite spot in the whole park was a place called Prospect Peak. And it wasn't far from where we were at Cindercone because you also access it from the Butte Lake uh, area. And you go, um, so you start hiking from you know, the Butte Lake campground area and you go, um, you, you turn right north uh, off before you get to the Cindercone. And it's basically a 3.5 mile uh, one-way trip up to Prospect Peak, which seems like a nondescript, you know, just nothing peak until he says he got up to it you know, after years of exploring the park, had never been up there, decided to go one time just on a whim, kind of tagged the summit and come back. He ended up staying the whole day there because when he got up there, he realized that summit is such a beautiful protected setting it had a little you know little crater all its own and it collects you know water there's some nice um uh, there's a bunch of snow that gets protected there and so it's like got a little pond a little snow plenty of trees to hang your hammock and he just said it was the most relaxing place never saw he's never seen a person when he's been up there um, so it, he just, he sold me for sure. Uh, so prospect peak, remember that one and check it out if you can. Very cool. So let's get into some activities specifically for families. So 
Of course, they have a junior ranger program at the park. It's geared towards uh, kids ages 5 to 12, though any all ages can, can request a, a booklet. Clark, our son, who is 16 months old now, was about 13 months, 14 months at the time, did complete it, so we can attest to that. Um, there's also something called the Volcano Club, which... All ages are welcome to do that as well. I think it's, it sounds similar to the Junior Ranger program where you pick up a, a, a booklet and fill it out throughout the park. Um, also, Summit Lake, Manzanita Lake areas, really, really, both really good for families. Both of those, you can also do some kayaking and boating activities, which would be a great opportunity to get out on the lake, get kind of some of those great mountain views from the water. Any other family activities? No, you hit them. I I mean what families don't like, you know, relaxing at the lakes though. Yeah, good camping areas. The Manzanita Lake campground was awesome. Had a good um huge campground. We were able to find just a last minute spot on a Saturday afternoon, so um that we were pretty lucky with that, I felt like, but they have a good you know, good camp store with some ice cream and showers and, and all that good stuff. So a little more developed of a campground, but definitely one of the good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed it, especially the ice cream part. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we have the big adventure section. And, you know, there's a number of different things you can do at uh, the park. We've talked about the hike, the uh, hiking up to Lassen Peak, you can do. We've talked about the biking, the park you can do. Um, but to really, you know, be a big adventure, you know, the the couple things I thought qualified for me personally were all backpacking trips and backpacking in especially the western portion of Lassen is phenomenal. There are two routes I have my eye on but really you can um, you can weave together so many different routes there's a whole you know couple dozen miles of the Pacific Crest Trail that runs through the park so you can go on that if you want you can again just weave together so many different trails but the two that I liked when I was doing my research were the Rainbow Snag Lakes Loop, which you access from Butte Lake entrance, and then also, and that's um, that's a twelve mile loop. It and then also the Summit Lakes Trail is a nineteen mile loop that you access from the. Um, from the Summit Lakes Trailhead. And the uh, Rainbow Snag is really well known. I mean, it's, it looks incredible. It's a lollipop loop. It's got all types of geology uh, along it. You'll go past the cinder cone. You'll go past um, the fantastic lava beds and the um, painted dunes area which is just, again, this really uh, unique area of uh, volcanic, um, I guess, just devastation. So, yeah, just 
so and then you have your alpine lakes that you get into after you get through that volcanic area so so much diversity there uh, in just a pretty short loop really makes me really want to get back there and explore some more yeah both of those sound great yeah i would even do that maybe yeah, and not too, my favorite is like a overwhelming one you know. night overnight backpacking is I, perfection for me. Yeah, so either of those <laughs> you could do in days. a weekend. Yeah. So Q and A section, we only had one question submitted. Um, remember, you can submit questions on our Instagram at Switchback Kids. Um, and I will say, Lassen their their NPS website they have a, a very extensive FAQ section. So if more questions come up. I would recommend checking that. Uh, but the one question we got was, in our opinion, what is the best time to visit the park? And short answer, I would say, is early fall. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I you really can maximize liked... the access and uh, minimize the crowds. Yeah. I really liked when we were able to visit, which was right at the end of August, um, maybe even you know the week after Labor Day, if you really can pick your weekend. Um, I will say there's a risk of wildfires at that time, as we didn't mention this, but as we found, um, the views were really hazy with all the smoke because 2020 has been a horrible wildfire year in California, and we were you know really in the thick of it at that time. So you have risks like that, but I would also say fall uh, would be early fall, my choice too. Um, other, yeah, other frequently asked questions, I'm just reviewing their website and it's like, does the park have Wi-Fi? They do at the visitor center. So, you know, if you need to check in, you can do that. Uh, do they have, you know, coverage AT&T and Verizon, apparently the most extensive coverage. Uh, so plenty of um, plenty of info on the FAQ. Yeah. So Cole, leave us with something to think about. Mm, yeah. Something to think about this time is when you go into any national park, you are a guest and it is the animals that are your hosts and it's their home. Um, this was really illustrated to us when we visited in August from a story we heard about where um, in June of 2020, a visitor was swimming in Manzanita Lake area where we also went um, and they were injured by a river otter. Not just injured, but really horribly maimed um, you know, the the otter bit them and you know s just kind of scratched up their face really bad and because of that the whole lake was closed to swimming wading soft-sided um, soft-sided watercrafts and one section in particular you couldn't go at all where where the river otter's home was and they don't really know what instigated the river otter, but they are—they have a pretty good guess that it was a mom protecting her her kittens. So, you know, and maybe I'm not saying the um, 
man who was swimming did anything wrong. Uh, I don't know. But that's the point is he was in a, you know, sometime, you're in a wild space and you're with wild animals and you have to make sure you're doing everything you can to act responsibly, to protect yourselves. Um, or you might be, you know, the subject of news articles and the reason why a whole section of the park gets closed down. Um, so that's something we actually experienced. And, you know, although it's really rare, so I don't want to scare people, you know, by uh, worrying them about attacks from random animals, it does happen. Um, but the, a funny point the person in this article in the LA Times made was that it's actually really surprising you have a better chance probably of getting bitten by a squirrel that's been fed human food than anything else uh, any other animal attacking so yeah but it is I think it's a good reminder that um these places we're visiting, the national parks, they are wild. And even though you go and there's lots of people around and there's the visitor centers and boardwalks and it looks like it was designed for people, it really is designed to preserve the wildlife that's there. So it's always a good reminder. Yeah, because Manzanita Lake, too, is a super popular area. It's not like a backcountry lake. It was, you know, right where there were tons of people walking. It was you know, tenth of a mile from a ranger station, so he got help quickly. But still, like you can get yourself into trouble pretty easily. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you guys for joining us today as we revisited the U.S.'s 11th National Park, Lassen Volcanic. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear from you on our website, switchbackkids.com or on social media at Switchback Kids. Yeah, tell us what you liked and what you want to hear more of and send us your questions for future parks. Next week, we'll be heading north, way north, to a park with the highest point in the United States, Denali. Until then, Switchbacks out. out.